You know, it's so great that you found us online to check out our current series. Being a church based in the city centre of Liverpool, we know for sure that our city loves music. That's why every October we do a series called Rocktober, because we believe firstly that church should be fun, right? Well, secondly, we just love the idea of being able to play live in church some of the greatest rock classic anthems that are out there, and then maybe try and tie them into a talk that's going to be life applicable for each and every one of you. Because that's our heart, actually, to delve into the scriptures and find out ways that we can all follow Christ better together. So we hope that you enjoy our online series of Rocktober. So I guess that today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the power of love, but it's not the power of love, okay? So I don't want anyone thinking that we're going to kind of travel a whole relationships route because that's not what tonight is going to be about. But we are going to talk about the power of love and try not to jump all the way back to 1985, but way further than that. I mean, let's go back a couple of thousand years and try and understand how much of a difference that the power of God's love can really make in your life, okay? Now, I guess that I'm gonna give you a demonstration that undoubtedly is gonna just try and take me back to my youthful days where maybe, you know, things weren't as they are now. Because one of the things that I used to love to do was get some vinyl records out. And I know some of you are like, vinyl? What the heck is vinyl, right? Well, these things, and um, there was nothing better than in a pastime than to throw them onto a DJ deck and kind of just get with it and get groovy for a little while. So my sort of thinking is that DJing is kind of like life because there are so many areas in your life that when they're going great, it just feels like everything is flowing. I mean, you know like when you first meet your girlfriend or your boyfriend and you've just had your first kiss and you get the butterflies in your, in your stomach and you're like, maybe this is the one. It feels like, man, life is awesome. And then every single one of us at some point have experienced the pain of a relational collapse and it feels like your whole world has come to a grinding halt and it hurts and you feel broken and you're completely devastated. But it's not just in our relational lives. Think about back to the first time you went for the interview for the place that you're working now. I mean, you get the job, you get the pay rise, you get the promotion. Now it means you can afford the new car and it feels like everything is great. But then the market changes or then a new position comes available and a new boss comes in and all of a sudden redundancy is on the rise and you're feeling threatened like maybe this is not gonna work out great for me and you just feel like your relational life as well as your working life is coming to a grinding halt and everything now feels tough and it feels hard and it feels like, man, can this get any worse? When you're strong and you're fit and healthy and you've got your gym subscription going and you're there and you're on the bench press and you're doing the protein shake and you're eating healthy and your body is just in great shape, you're at your most desirable weight, life can feel awesome. But then, unexpectedly, without any kind of warning, you're told something bad to do with your health and it feels like, man, this has come 
like such a bolt out of the blue and now your health feels at risk and threatened. And you're like, why even is that? Like, when did life get so hard? But then you can think about your financial life. And when the money is good and the mortgage is being paid and everyone can pay the rent and the school trips are covered, it can feel to you like, man, everything is great. Then you've got money in your wallet and you've got the clothes and you've got the gear and everything feels amazing. And then all of a sudden something goes wrong, an investment doesn't materialize or the sales targets aren't hit and met. And now it feels to you like your financial life has just got crazy difficult all of a sudden. And you're like, man, this is so incredibly hard. So I guess that today, what I wanna try and do in our October series is understand how the power of love can actively, practically help you get through what you're going through. Because Proverbs 11 says this, without good direction, people lose their way. But the more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. And I understand that there are probably two groups of people in this auditorium today. And I'm gonna try and speak in two really clear and specific lanes from two very specific angles to try and help us understand how our faith life can relate to us when it comes to allowing God's love to outwork in our life. Now, firstly, I wanna to talk to those of you who maybe you would profess and say, man, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of God. I believe that God gave his one and only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. And I truly believe that. And now I am his and I've invited him to live in my heart. And I've got this real and authentic relationship with our Father in heaven. To start off with, I wanna try and help you because maybe you feel like, man, I'm a Christian now and I'm in a good place. Maybe the question that you need to ask is this, how can you, how can we help someone go through what they're going through? In other words, maybe there are people who you're aware of in your life, family members, friends, a work colleague, somebody at university, and you know that they're just dealing with this kind of stuff. You know that the season of life that they're finding themselves in is one that feels like, man, life is just really hard right now. You know that to them, it seems as though their life has come to a grinding halt. And you're like, I really wanna be a help. I really wanna be a support. But the truth is, I just don't know what's best to do. Like, I wanna be of use. I just don't know how to be around them. How can I demonstrate and show God's love to people when they're going through what they're going through? So I wanna try and speak to you first. Like how you can be of a helping hand when somebody in your street's going through a divorce. How you can be a helping hand when somebody you know has been made redundant. Or maybe the entrepreneur that started the business, now they're three, four, five years in and the whole thing has just come crashing down around them. And you wanna help because you know what's going on. Or maybe you know someone that's suffered loss and you're a Christian and you wanna help but you just don't know how. Or maybe you know someone who's just received a bad health report. So I wanna help you understand how can you help someone get through what they're going through? But then again, I understand that there's a second group of people in the auditorium tonight. And maybe you're the one that's going through that list. 
Maybe you're the one that's just dealing with something that right now just kind of feels unimaginable and unthinkable to you if you were to replay your life from just a year ago. It's like it's blindsided you, something's happened and everything feels crazy on the inside as much as it feels crazy on the outside. And you're like, never mind how do I help someone, who's gonna help me? Like what do I do when I'm going through the relational pain that you spoke about? Like what, do I, what am I supposed to do when I'm experiencing the financial hardship? What do I do when I'm the one that's received the bad health report. So I wanna speak directly into your life second also. We're gonna do this by looking at a story that comes straight from the Old Testament of the Scriptures. It recounts an individual's life whose name was Job. Now Job was a fascinating character. In fact, it is an incredible piece of writing. I would earnestly encourage you, like go and read this book, it is incredible. But the story about what happens to Job is kind of heartbreaking. Because even on your worst day, I promise you, Job knew what it was like to experience heartache and pain on completely whole new levels. Job was someone that knew exactly what it was like to lose everything that was important and valuable to him. Job, he lost his wealth, he lost his health, and he lost his family. Now, if maybe any single one of us were to lose any one of those things, that would be devastation right there. Devastation and destruction. Job experienced the loss of all those three at the same time. His health, his wealth, and his family. So I wanna start by looking at three friends of Job and look at what their response was to Job when he was going through his lowest point in life. When he'd hit rock bottom. When he was in a valley and didn't know what to do. What did his friends do? because I believe that we can learn something from this scripture that will really help us and those of us that say we follow Christ to demonstrate in active and practical ways God's love to people that will help them get through what they're going through. So let's go to Job chapter two. We're gonna read from verse 11 onwards. And this is what it reads. It says, when three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Now this here details the response of Job's friends. The very first thing that we see Job's friends doing when they heard about this crisis that Job had encountered, when they heard about this close friend of theirs was really going through an incredibly difficult time, the first thing that we see them doing was this, they just chose to leave where they were and turn up at Job's house. And I think that that's exactly what we need to learn the art of doing as well. Like when you see someone in your world that's going through crisis and trauma, like an incredibly difficult time, the first thing you've gotta do is just turn up and you don't need to say anything. And you don't need an invitation either. You don't need to wait until they ring you and detail out all of the accounts of everything that's been going on. You don't need to wait until you receive a text message or an email. You just need to choose and decide. If my friend's in trouble, then you're gonna go. And you're going to turn up. Because a lot of the time, we don't go because we assume that somebody else will be going, right? And the difficulty with this is sometimes we can think that, man, we should just go and turn up at everyone's house in their time of brokenness and trauma. Well, I don't think that that's what was happening here, but it was, three of Job's closest friends. In other words, 
They were in his circle, they were in his group, they felt like they were friends that were like family. And I would advise you, if you've got friends that are like family, when they're going through stuff, you should absolutely turn up. Like if it's just someone that you know on social media or Instagram or vaguely you walk past them once in the corridor, that would not be helpful if you just turn up at their house. That would be a bit weird, okay? But if they're in your close group of friends, like just turn up and don't assume that another friend's gonna go. Like just go. And then the second thing that you've gotta do once you've made the decision to go is share in their pain. Because the truth is, when people are in crisis, they know that you haven't got anything to say that's gonna fix it. Like they're okay with the fact that they know that you don't know anything that's gonna be able to make the whole situation any better. And you've gotta be comfortable in that fact because what we find here is that Job's friends understood that the greater the grief, the fewer the words needed. Let's read what the scripture says in Job 2, chapter 12. It says, when they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely even recognized him, wailing loudly. They tore their robes and threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights, and no one said a word to Job. They saw that his suffering was too great for words. In other words, they knew that they had nothing to say, but there was such a power and sense of comfort and a demonstration of love towards Job, not a result of their conversation, but because of their mere presence. And that's the power that you've got contained within you. Never underestimate the power of your presence. It's interesting that the scriptures tell us that when they saw Job and he looked a bit unlike himself, that they tore their robes and threw dust into the air. Now, culturally, that doesn't mean anything at all to us today. But in Job's culture, this was a way of symbolizing to their friends, like we are with you. They ripped their clothes and they threw ash over their heads because it was customary for them. It was a sign to say, look, we're in solidarity with you. We can't fix it, but I am of a kindred spirit with you and I wanna be with you in the midst of everything that you're going through. They were saying, look, we just want you to know that we're gonna share in your pain. And for seven days and nights, they just sat there and didn't speak a word. They were just willing to share in their pain. You know, perhaps throughout the duration of this talk, I might make reference to a season in our life. And for those of you that have maybe been part of the church for a number of years, would know that this particular season was undoubtedly the most difficult in that of our marriage and our family. A few years back, my wife received an incredibly difficult diagnosis that was unbelievably hard to come to terms with and we had no idea about the uphill struggle that we were all about to face. It meant that there was gonna be months and months and months of our life that was just spent constantly in and out of hospital on chemotherapy wards and like my wife couldn't believe that this had happened. This was such a shock. It completely blindsided us and it was exactly the same for us and then trying to like be a dad and run a church and kind of be a husband was just feeling like overwhelming at times. And whilst I don't wanna constantly be the guy that keeps referring back to that, but you know, you can only talk to people from the place of your own story, right? But, but I wanna just say that when we were in that place 
On one particular Monday, we'd been in the hospital all day. We got back to our house and then that night I was out doing some leadership stuff and then some very close friends of ours, they just turned up at our house at 11 p.m. at night and we sat on our living room floor and we cried and we prayed because it was like, man, our world was broken. You know, it was like everything felt like it came to a grinding halt. And honestly, there wasn't a lot of words that were spoken. I mean, what can you say when you find out that you're having to fight such a crazy diagnosis as we had just been giving, but it was just a demonstration from our group of friends saying, we're gonna turn up and we're gonna be willing to just share in your pain. And looking back now, I'm so glad that that happened because if it was down to me, I would never have invited anybody in because it's not my natural wiring, right? I just would have said, no, I'm fine, just leave it with me, I'll sort it out. So they made the decision for us. Like, we're gonna be in this with you. Through thick and thin, we're turning up at your house at 11 o'clock at night, and if all we do is cry together and pray together and trust God together, then that's good enough for me. And sometimes you've just gotta be willing just to share in people's pain. And then the third thing that you've got to do if you want to be the kind of person that can help someone get through whatever it is that they're going through is you have to take the initiative. Proverbs 3.27 says this, wherever you possibly can, do good to those who need it. I mean, how simple is that to understand? In other words, the encouragement for us is to do good at every opportunity that you get. Like if you know that there's someone in your world that's just facing a struggle, make the most of every opportunity and you take the initiative and do good and bring good to them. You know, one of the things that I could encourage you not to say when maybe somebody that you know is going through trauma, whatever you do, don't say to them, hey, listen, if you need anything, give me a call. And the reason why I would say that is when you say that, You're putting all the onus onto the one that is hurting and broken and going through a crisis right now. And what you're thinking is that they are gonna think in the same way that you are thinking. And I promise you, they are not. Because when you're hurting and when you're going through crisis, when you've experienced trauma, you're not thinking straight. Like you can't think about anything. You can have a newspaper in front of you and, word, and read every word on the page and not have read even one word on the page. You know what I'm saying? So when you say to someone, hey, if you need anything, give me a call, what you're saying is, is like, you have a think and then get back to me when you know what it is that you need. I promise you, they haven't got the, the foggiest idea of what it is they need. They can't focus. They can't think. So you be the one that takes the initiative. And the best way that you can do this, I think is give them options. You know, when we were going through, and thank God that we're not anymore, but when we were going through that trauma, just our close-knit circle of friends, and you know what, I'm so grateful to God for our friends, and they would just give us options all of the time. They wouldn't say to us, hey, do you want us to like cook for you? No, no. They would literally say, hey, we're cooking for you. Just tell me when's best. Do you want tea Monday or Tuesday? They would just give me options. And it just felt like, man, this is just so easy for me. All I have to think about is the day that I want tea to arrive. 
I remember one weekend, some friends of ours, Wayne and Sarah, and many of you know them and love them. We've been friends for like a long time now. They rang us up and they said, hey, listen, we're gonna bring some food round and we're gonna cook it in your house for you guys. And I'm gonna be honest, that felt a little bit weird for me. And I'd like to make out because, you know, it's like, I'm this pristine chef and I like to run my kitchen my way, but that would be a downright lie. I am useless in the kitchen, right? All I do is run behind Emma and keep everything clean and tidy. But there was a moment, right, that, that she's the good cook. She, I don't keep it clean and tidy, do I not? I'm useless at that as well. Thanks for the honesty, hon. I would have liked to have shared that in private, but you went public with that. I really appreciate that. If somebody can take the initiative and book me into counseling tomorrow, I'd be really grateful, okay? <laughs> but I was really grateful when they just turned up and they're like, we're cooking tea for you tonight and they bring everything and it was just so unbelievably helpful. Another group of friends said to us, hey, listen, like we're sending the cleaners round to your house. Do you want them on Wednesday, Thursday or Friday? And it just made life feel just a slightly, a slightly bit more easier than it was at that moment. I remember somebody, they turned up and they just said something so kind and considerate that honestly, I never would have thought about. And they heard about, we were about to spend this incredibly difficult time on the hematology ward and they came to us and they said, hey listen, here is 200 pounds worth of five pound notes and coins. And they just said, stick this in your car because you're gonna need this for parking and for coffee. You're gonna need cash in the hospitals that you're going in and out of. And I'm just so thankful and grateful that somebody thought about that because I promise you, I was not in a place to think about that at all. So maybe you can give people options too. Say to them, hey listen, I'm going to Costco on Friday, so I'm gonna get you shopping. Tell me what you like and I'll just sort it out. If they respond to you and say, well, thanks very much, that's awesome. I'd like a hot tub and a new garden shed. Then you know that they're lying, right? They're not really going through trauma or crisis at all. But that's what you've gotta do. You've got to take the initiative. But some of you, you're the one that is going through something right now and you have no idea how you're gonna get out of it. Like something's blindsided you, you've been made redundant, someone that you love has just found out that they have cancer, maybe you've just lost a loved one. Maybe relationally, your whole marriage is on the brink of collapse. The business has failed, maybe you're the parent. Your teenager's gone Pete Tong. Do you like what I did there, tying everything in together? You feel like your relationship with your son or your daughter has just gone, gone crazy and you've tried to speak to them, you've tried to have a family member speak into their life, but they're not gonna listen to you. They're gonna do their own thing because they're 18 and they know best, right? And you know the score, it just feels to you like, I I I'm in a catastrophe right now. Like, what do I do? I'm not in a place to be helping anybody. Like, what do I do? to get through what I'm going through. Well, you've got to know two simple things. The first thing that you've got to do is call out to God. In the Psalms, it's written in chapter 50, verse 15. It says, call to me, meaning call out to God in your day of trouble and I will rescue you and you will honour me. I just want you to understand how this relationship with God really works. When you choose to call out and pray to God our Father, 
in the middle of your crisis and trauma, whilst you feel like everything else is falling down around you, you've got to understand that the way that God sees that is in such a way that he believes it will bring honour to him. Because what he's saying is, at the point at which you choose to call on him, it's a demonstration of trust towards him. You're saying, God, I need you right now. Without you getting involved, I am ruined right now. He knows that when you're praying to him about whatever it is that matters most to you, you're acknowledging that you understand that if it matters to you, it matters to our Father in heaven. So he's saying, look, when you call to me, you're showing that you depend on me. And in turn, that brings God honour. A lot of the times we can get super confused though about how we call out to God. My best advice to you would be this, just be you. He made you, he created you, he knows you and who you are and how you choose to communicate to God our Father is just perfect for him. So you can go down and you can say, Father, like I am ruined right now. Everything is so screwed up. I don't know how I got here or maybe the problem is you do know how you got here. But God, either the way, everything feels like it's just catastrophic for me right now. God, I'm experiencing grief right now. I'm in loss. God, I can't believe that he did that to me. God, I can't believe that I'm broke. Where did all the money go? God, I can't believe this is happening. And I don't know what to do, but I know that I need you. And here we're just being encouraged that when you choose to call out to God, the promise is that he will rescue you. And in the midst of you calling out to him, you're saying, Father, I'm trusting you in this. Like, you know what I'm dealing with, so I'm gonna show that I'm depending on you. And when you do that, it brings honor to him. So you've gotta call out to God. But then the second and final thing that you've gotta do is you have to let others help you. If you're experiencing pain on new, crazy, carnage-riddled levels, you've gotta let others help you. Because what's really dangerous is if you don't let others help you, I promise you, you're gonna make mistakes, big ones. You know, I know this for sure, I am so grateful for some of my friends that spoke into my life and helped me when I was in a real big mess over everything that was going on surrounding the health of my wife. I can remember at that time, about three months prior to us being given this diagnosis, we had just made a financial investment that was a long-term investment. It was part of a plan that we were trying to just, I guess, you know, ensure that we finished life stronger financially than how we started out. And we'd made this decision that we were gonna invest pretty much all of our money into this particular investment at that time. And literally when we were given this diagnosis, within about a week, I'd made the decision, like I'm pulling everything out. Like I, I'm walking away from this investment and all I could think of in my head is, I need every penny of crash that I can get my hands on right now. Like I just need to like, I couldn't think straight. Like I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. And like I couldn't make a wise business or financial decision. And it was one of my closest friends came to me and said, hey Luke, like, listen, you're not thinking straight right now. Whatever you do, 
Don't cash in on that investment right now. You will regret it later. If you do that now, you will lose thousands of pounds. This will not be a smart thing for you. And I'm so glad and grateful that I had that voice in my world because I'm better financially today because I chose not to cash it in back then. And I would have done because you just can't think straight. You know, Proverbs 17 says this, a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. And when you're going through what you're going through, you need people that can come around you and you've got to let them help you because they were born to help you and walk alongside you in life. And they can carry you when you feel weak, they will pick you up and they will take you even if they have to drag you to wherever it is that you need to go. But you have to let others help you. Hey, don't go through what you're going through alone. Don't do that. Because my hope and my prayer is that we collectively together as a church, whether you're the one going through something or whether you're the one trying to help someone go through, through something, is that we would understand the power that is detailed in Paul's statement in Romans chapter eight, where he writes this about the significance and the power of God's love. He says, who then shall separate us from the love? Notice that he doesn't use the word ecclesia, that means church. He's not saying that it's the church that won't keep us separated. He says, who then shall keep us separated from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, well, we know what that's like. What about persecution or famine? We know what that's like to go without and to not be in a season of plenty or danger or sword. Verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now that is the power of God's love that's been demonstrated to us through Jesus and now the power of God's love that you, if you say you follow Christ, are now charged with showing and demonstrating that same power to your friends and to your family and your neighbourhood and your community and your colleagues who don't yet know God our Father in heaven. So your homework this week, church, who is there if you follow Christ and you're called to demonstrate and show God's love towards them, who is there that you can help? Who is there that's hurting, that's going through something? What can you do to actively and practically demonstrate God's love towards them? Because can you imagine the difference that that would make in your street, in our city, in our church, if we all collectively chose to demonstrate the power of God's love to help people get through what they're going through. Oh, yeah.